this is the legal disclaimer, where I tell you that the views, thoughts, and opinions shared in this podcast belong solely to our guests and hosts, and not necessarily Brady or Brady's affiliates. Please note, this podcast contains discussions of violence that some people may find disturbing. It's okay, we find it disturbing too. everybody. This is not JJ. This is Josh Scharf, legal counsel and director of programs here at Brady. But this is JJ. Hey, everybody. And hey, Josh, welcome to co-hosting. I can't tell you how excited I am to be a co-host. Well, we're very, very happy to have you with us. And by us, I mean, you know, me and the pod. And so welcome back. And in honor of the podcast, second year around the sun. Congrats, by the way. Yes, thank you. (laughs) To honor that birthday, we're presenting podcasts that you, the listeners, loved and ones that our Brady family really loved and enjoyed too. And and so Josh, what was it about this podcast in particular, which originally ran into the title of The Dangers of Hoaxers and Alternative Truths that first got your interest? Well, look, I'm I'm a dad and and Andy and Fred, they're both dads too. And they're dads that really just suffered the most unimaginable loss, right? Losing a child to gun violence. And the fact that there are these extremists out there, that these selfish people that are are profiting off of exploiting this tragedy and causing them so much pain, it just makes me so angry. It makes me so sad, frankly. And, you know, to hear Andy and Fred talk us through Uh, just how they're exploiting the system, how they are exploiting the downfalls of our political system, of our laws, of social media. It's it's scary. But also at the same time that Andy and Fred are out there fighting for the necessary change so that others don't have to go through this, there's something inspiring in there. And and that combination just really speaks to me and caught, catches you know my interest um, and, and really my attention throughout the entire episode. So let's turn this over to Fred Guttenberg and Andy Parker, the two great guests from this episode, to explain why these conspiracy theorists are just so, so harmful and what we can do about it. I'm Andy Parker. I'm the father of Allison Parker, who was the journalist that was uh, killed on live television in 2015. And I'm... Um... Fred Guttenberg, father of Jamie Guttenberg, and in context of this phone call, also brother to Dr. Michael Guttenberg. Well, and this is a podcast that really came together quickly, especially when we started to see what was happening, not just in the news, but on Twitter, you know, where people were reporting on what Marjorie Taylor Greene had had said in terms of claiming that the Parkland shooting wasn't you know real or didn't happen as obviously no, the facts have proven that it did. Uh, but this is something that Fred and Andy, you and I have talked about before in terms of conspiracy theories. And so Fred, I'm just wondering if you can give us just, you know, just a little bit of detail on you know the background here. I don't believe anyone expected that the truth would punch back as powerfully as it did this past week. And we're not done punching. You know, this lunatic, and we have to be clear, 
I'm referring to her as a lunatic. No disregard to anyone suffering from a mental health issue because we have to separate that individual from the bigger party. Yeah, I do want to jump in there, though, because we avoid terms like crazy or lunatic because we we certainly don't want to further stigmatize those with mental health issues. And I think we all realize that those who struggle with their mental health are, are more likely to be victims of gun violence, you know, certainly rather than perpetrators. But I, I totally get what you're saying here because... She is, is by behaving irrationally and irresponsibly, you know, she's behaving in this way. You know, she has said Parker was a false flag. Law enforcement and others were paid off, okay, in order to create this gun issue for Nancy Pelosi. I shared video yesterday, which is now being widely distributed, of her talking about Las Vegas, which is the most insane thing. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. The insane belief that she has there, but the good news is her insanity is coming face to face with the truth before it has time to take hold. Now, let's differentiate between her as an insane person who managed to, in an unopposed election, sneak her way into Congress and the bigger problem, which is the fact that she has not disowned anything she has said and the party's not making her do it. The fact that the party has not said, we disown this, we're going to do something about it, we reject it, this is not who we are. And too much time has already passed for them to have the ability to do that. They now own it. This is now this party embracing that under the leadership of McCarthy because he believes It's a winning strategy in the next election. He is willing to let people like her win in other districts so he can be speaker. It is so cynical. It is so evil. And it can't win. And it's, and Fred, to your point, it's cowardice too. Absolutely. The the representative that I had, well, he is, I live in his district, uh, a guy named Morgan Griffith, who was one of the 130 or so Republicans that decided ignore the election results. You know, I I think that there there are guys like there are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who, as you say, she is a lunatic. She drinks the Kool-Aid. She actually believes this stuff. And then you've got got people like Morgan Griffith who know better, but they're so afraid of being primaried. I mean, look what Matt Gates did, you know, flying up to Wyoming to chow, you know, to to throw shade at, at Liz Cheney. They are so afraid of getting primaried that they're going along with these they're still have in, in you know my rural part of Virginia, and they still have their damn Trump signs up. You know, the cult is not going away. And they don't have the courage to tell them, you know what, it was all a big lie. And I'm not sure who I dislike most, uh more Green or Griffith. Listen, it is a cult, but it's a large cult. And yeah. it is a that has taken over a political party. I mean, you remember we used to talk about Republicans and Democrats, and they they disagreed on policy and how to get to a certain endpoint. It's now they disagree on whether or not we're a democracy. Okay, that's the dividing line. And there's a the, the, the cult has a leader. He's now living in Palm Beach, and the current minority leader in the House. Went to visit the cult leader yesterday for cake and caviar and cocktails so that they could strategize how to finish the job of making this cult the dominant form of government. We can't 
let it happen. And that's why this conversation that we're having here and obliterating these lies and not giving them an inch matters. And Fred, you know, they have a a very willing accomplice in social media. Now, I I will say that Twitter has actually done a very good job. Finally. late, A little late. (laughs) Exactly. But Google and Facebook have not. And that's why I've sort of, as you know, too, I've, I've driven into the the lane of we've got to have Section 230 reform. We've got to, you know, I, I, I'm finally, I think, going to win the battle with great television to get co-copyright. And the only way to, to, to challenge Google for uh, copyright infringement. But I literally had to go do public shaming to get that done. And it's the same with Google. It, it's going to get there eventually, but that's what it's going to have to take to maybe remedy some of this stuff. Because uh, to Chris's point earlier, in the early days, because I was a a real actor, a professional actor, but when the the video of Allison shooting came out and they say, hey, look, he's a crisis actor. Look at the commercials he did. And and they put two and two together and came up with 10. So (laughs) that's that's the other battle that we've got to fight to, to put the kibosh on all this stuff. Well, and just to clue listeners in, can you tell us a little bit about your battle with social media, Andy? Well, the, the the short story is is that, as I mentioned earlier, when you know Allison was murdered on live television, it was captured on video, and these videos, I thankfully I've never seen it. I it's you know it's it's like a landmine out there, and it's come close a couple of times, but I've never seen it. Never want to. But I knew that they were up there. And so, you know, one day I went down the rabbit hole to the degree that I could and, and typed in Allison Parker on YouTube. And there were literally pages after pages after pages, of you know, and it was then that I decided that I needed to take take on Google and try and get them to, to remove this stuff. Because according their, to their terms of service and community guidelines, they don't allow that. And they will. That's typically the, their answer. Well, why don't you take this down? But we don't allow that. It's this circular thing going on. So I've literally been engaged in this fight for uh, four and a half years. We're, we're getting close. They have removed things, but it's always at, you know, they always have to be coerced either by the press or by Congress. Literally right before this call, I was on, there's a story coming out in the Washington post. Uh, I was on with the, uh, the journalist for the post about my fight with gray television, you know, here's this, they own the station and they own the the video and we're trying to just get co-copyright so that we can do what I call the Al Capone prosecution. You can't go after them for the big stuff. So let's go after them for this. But in order to do that, we have to have the co-copyright. So they literally would ghost us. They were pulling the same tactics that Google was. We couldn't figure it out. It's like, why can't you do the right thing? And so that's why I started this change.org petition, you know, why I did the piece on or they 60 minutes came to me to do the piece. So I figured it was a good time to to sort of or the moon and the stars to to align here to to bring focus on this. So so that's what I've been trying to do. If if Google and Facebook have the same editorial guidelines that the Washington Post or hell Fox News for that yeah. matter, you wouldn't be seeing all this stuff. And promoting all this, the, the, the proliferation of all this garbage, which feeds this stuff and, and feeds these these extremists like Marjorie Taylor Greene. So, so let me ask you a question because yeah. it's such a great point. And Twitter is now taking kind of trying to take control of their platform responsibly. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. 
late but doing it. As these people get shoved off these major platforms, they're going into the dark web. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to stop what they're doing. We're just going to have less visibility of it. If you think of the Pittsburgh Temple shooting, that was planned on the dark web. Nobody saw it coming. So, so the question is, how do we stop the proliferation, but also find ways to keep our eyes on what's happening? Yeah, I don't know that you can totally stop it. It's it's like a sieve. It's going to find find it someplace. I, I think the best thing that we can do is to try and mitigate it so that some of the people, some of these other folks that have become radicalized and, and what you used to think were normal people have become domestic terrorists. Uh, you know, the hardcore, the, they will always find that that place in the dark web. But if we can at least prevent what we can and and hold the you know the, the the three majors to the to the to some kind of standard at least you'll stop some of the bleeding i guess and as i've said i just want my day in court i want to be able to go after these bastards and sue them for what they've done because they do monetize it they they make money mm-hmm. from it they say we don't oh we don't accept that you know it's clickbait you see that video whether it's allison's murder or it's a cat playing the piano if you like that video, you'll see the thing on the side there, and it points you to it's it's algorithmic amplification. That's what they do. They say, "Oh, we don't promote it," and that's just complete bullshit. They do well. And, and Andy, you know, listen, our legislators and these companies are going to have to come to grips with the reality that what happened January sixth and what will happen next is all predictable. It yeah. was predictable, and if it was predictable, then it was preventable. And anyone who says we didn't see it coming. Is lying. The afternoon of January 6th, I was in a recording um, all afternoon for a documentary that's going to come out in the spring. In that recording, we were discussing the NRA, the gun lobby as a whole, their impact on society, and where things are headed. I literally, we were, I was walled off from the world in this studio. I had no idea what was happening in Washington, D.C. that afternoon. None. And I'm literally talking, and I thought I was exaggerating, about the threat of tying together guns with all of these groups on social media and their use of social media and the encouragement from elected leaders. And I was talking about my fear that something terrible was going to happen, an attack on our democracy, before this transition was done. I was literally pulling all these pieces together, and I thought I was exaggerating, sounding crazy to make a point. And the recording ended and I looked at my phone and I just said to all the people from the studio, I said, you're not going to believe what's going on right now. So they're going to take the day of my interview and pull together all the real world news stories that were happening during it. It was predictable. It was. We all could have seen it coming and we all, as we sit here now, we know there's more coming. There's more being planned, and the same platforms that were used to energize it are still energizing it. Yep. Legislators better get off their ass, and they better start getting on this. And our intelligence agencies, which were obliterated, have their work cut out for them. Well, I think this goes to your earlier question, too, about, you know, what happens if people move to the dark web and, you know, how... We have a country really haven't, I, I don't think, deeply considered how this mix of guns and hate and conspiracy theories is a domestic threat. Because 
you know, when you have people with arms and hate and misinformation, that deserves serious investigation. It's scary. And people have come up to me, not only said what you said, but they've also threatened me with additional violence if I don't stop talking about what happened. So, you know, it's worse. And which is why somebody like Green, who has threatened violence, who has made it clear people should be shot, yet walks around carrying her gun in the halls of Congress, we need to take her at her word. We need to take her seriously. She is a threat. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's going to take, what, two-thirds of the House to expel her? And there is not two-thirds of the the Democrats overwhelmingly will be, but there's not enough spine in the Republican Party to get rid of her. It's, and I don't know how you fix that. Money to get her out, or she becomes the face of that party. That she yeah. that is the dominant face of that party going forward. If they don't remove her, the the, the problem though is she is the face of the party, just like uh, Lauren Boebert. You know, same Boebert. you know, or or Bob Good. And I go back to you know, money is certainly important. But, you know, you can you you can't fix stupid, but you can fix ignorant. And I think that's what we got to concentrate on around here. Well, so you have to call it what it is, a lie. Listen, you, you can't make this stuff up. She doesn't believe my daughter died in Parkland. She doesn't believe my brother died because of 9-11. But she does believe, because my name is Guttenberg, that I have a laser that sets forests on fire. Well, I knew that. <laughs> well, it's true. I hope you all know that I mean, that's the soundbite that they're going to use. I just yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is listen. This is where I'll never forget when Kellyanne Conway said it for the very first time. We believe in alternative facts. Yeah, they have made the world of alternative facts their facts. Okay, and I don't think we should ever, ever, ever forget that phrase. And we actually need to use it. We need to differentiate between reality. And the world of alternative facts that they that they embrace and they are acknowledge that they embrace. You know, there's truth and there's alternative facts. That's where they live. We it's listen, it's gonna be a battle, but we need to defeat the alternative facts. Here, here. For three out of Donald Trump's four years, nobody called them lies. They said, Should he have said that? Is this normal? Is this okay? It took him finally looking like he was going to lose for them to start calling it what it was. Lot. Yeah. And we we can't stop doing that now. Well, it was all about ratings. I mean, that's the whole, that's, you know, Donald Trump was a gift to every media, mainstream, every mainstream and, you know, alternative media outlet out there. And I was just wondering too, Fred and Andy, you know, what are some ways that you think moving forward, we can actually live in an actual reality, not an alternative reality, not an alternative reality as a country. And, you know, just to kind of move past, you know, that there are some people over here who think that 9-11 was a hoax or that Sandy Hook didn't happen or that gun violence doesn't matter. Like, how do we all solve this? I highly recommend everybody read what Malcolm Nance uh, wrote and it's published today in the Washington Post because he talks about this. And this is where we need to really get good at, at public shaming of, of alternative facts and people who push them. It's a really powerful weapon. If you look at the news clip last night from the 11th hour where Brian Williams was going to put up a video clip of, of the bully in Palm Beach and McCarthy, 
and 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 instead it turned out to be the Tom Cruise character from Show Me the Money, where <laughs> it's the you complete me scene, and that's what he made Kevin McCarthy look like. You have to watch the video clip; it's genius. <laughs> we yeah. have to we have to stop playing like these people own the 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 reality, and that we're always on defense, and we have to hit them hard. We have to do it with facts, with video, with pictures. And you know what? We have to shame them. Yeah, I'm all about shaming. And I've been doing a, a, a good bit of that of late. So it and it works. I mean, it's, you know, if I get this co-copyright from Gray, it's it's only because I, sh- you know, did public a, a public shaming and Google the same way. You know, we just you're Fred, you're right. I mean, we just have to keep battling them. And it's, you know, whether it's work as, as GVP warriors or social media warriors, they kind of go hand in hand. And that's, it, it's the combination of that focus is going to, or, or the efforts is, I think is going to hopefully ultimately prevail. And maybe we can gain some converts here in, in rural America. And, and what role with any, do you think that gun owners have? sort of in, in changing this narrative? I think that the majority of, at least I like to think so, but the majority, overwhelming majority of gun owners feel like we do. They're just afraid to say something. But you know what? There is a, there, there is something changing that may change all of this, which is for the first time, because of January 6th, donors, corporations have started to pull their money from that yeah. Republican machine. And maybe... We need to direct some of our energy towards not letting them forget and making sure that money doesn't start to flow again. And and Fred and Andy, it may seem strange to, to end on this note, but I, I always want to circle back when we do these episodes to the folks that we're actually talking about, right? You know, there's there's been a loss here that has been running through this whole podcast. And so I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about who Jamie and Allison actually were. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I think Fred, our, our daughters shared the love of arts and dancing. I mean, Allison was just a, I, I always said that if, if uh, she hadn't gone into journalism, she could have been a professional dancer on Broadway. And, you know, that was trying to be, I, I was as, as objective as I could because I've seen the best. And, you know, she was one of those people that, that, anything she tackled, she did well. And I, I always admired her. She had more talent in her little pinky than I ever did. But beyond that, uh, she was, people ask me, well, what, you know, what is the thing that you could describe most? What, what sums it up about Allison? And, and Allison was just a beautiful, kind soul. She was beautiful, you know, from the, you know, she, she was beautiful, but she was beautiful in here. And, there were so many things that she did and, and to mentor people and to help people that, that, you know, stories that I heard that I never, you know, that people shared with me that I never knew about, but she was, that's, that's, she was just a kind soul and she had so much promise, just like Fred's daughter. I mean, like Jamie, I, it's, they were robbed. They were robbed. We were, we were robbed. They were yes. robbed. Yeah. They sound like they're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Listen, I think beautiful, kind soul sums it up for Jamie as well. I, I would tell you, you know, Jamie was the energy in the room. She, you were laughing because of her. 
Sometimes you were yelling because of her because she was very stubborn, but you were always reacting to her. And, you know, at the end of the day, I always taught my kids one really simple lesson. You always do what's right, not what's easy. And, you know, that's what Jamie tried to do. It's what my son thankfully still gets to do because he was there also that day. And, you know, Jamie, in addition to her love of dance, which dominated her life, you know, it didn't matter where we were, when we were, she was dancing. It's just what she loved to do. But Jamie also loved being around for other kids who maybe weren't always treated as well by other kids. So she really got involved in anti-bullying programs. She dedicated her time, um, both my children do, for kids with special needs. And they get that gene from my wife, who's a pediatric occupational therapist and has always been around. You know, my kids have grown up around kids like that. And Jamie, that's what she wanted to do as well as a pediatric physical therapist. Just the world lost two amazing souls because of what happened to us. And it's why we do what we do. Exactly. Exactly. And they were, they were cut from the same cloth. And I'd like to think that somewhere they're dancing together. I'm, after this conversation, I'm counting on it. So Josh, absolutely excellent choice and episode. Couldn't have thought of a better episode to kick the whole series off with. Thank you. I, I think so too. And so based on what Fred and Andy talked about, you know, cause we always want to start with a call to action. You know, what are we going to do this week to honor their story and their work? Look, it's incumbent on us. We have to go out there and we've got to fight conspiracy and misinformation with fact. We have to fight extremism with common sense. This issue of gun violence prevention, the issue of guns just attracts so much conspiracy and extremism from the other side. And it's our job to go out there every day and make sure that they don't win. I really like that. You know, we're not letting the quote unquote alternative truths when because there those is are no lies <laughs> there's truth and lies and for me i'm going to do one thing uh, in particular i'm going to contact a survivor of my life and just sort of check in on them you know i'm going to let them know that they're heard that they're loved and that their stories are valued and that's so important there are real people out there experiencing such real pain and we need to check in on them and we need to be there to support them and really just be there for them. And for all of you out there listening right now, let us know how you're going to fight against these conspiracy theories. If you're going to do what Josh said, if you're going to do what I said, if you're going to do a mix of the two, we love that. Or if you've got your own plans, you know, as always, we love to hear, you know, what brilliance y'all have come up with. Hey, want to share with the podcast? Listeners can now get in touch with us here at Red, Blue, and Brady via phone or text message. Simply call or text us at 480-744-3452 with your thoughts, questions, concerns, ideas, whatever. Kelly and I are standing by. Thanks for listening. As always, Brady's life-saving work in Congress, the courts, and communities across the country is made possible thanks to you. For more information on Brady or how to get involved in the fight against gun violence, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Get in touch with us at BradyUnited.org or on social at BradyBuzz. Be brave and remember, take action, not type. Mm-hmm.